When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Tuesday morning, uh, the 21st of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Gardaí stopped traffic on the Bridge of Peace in Drogheda yesterday evening to ask motorists if they had witnessed uh, the shooting of an innocent taxi driver there last week. The intended victim was a passenger in uh, the taxi. The shooting is believed to have been in retaliation for the murder of 17-year-old Keane Mulready-Woods. Today, members of the emergency response unit say they do not have the resources to carry out their duties and they say that last week, Gardaí in Drogheda were left waiting several hours for armed backup, putting lives at risk. The chief superintendent will be in studio presently. But let's begin today with plans to increase the pension age from what was 65 six years ago to the current age of 66, 67 next year. And anyone retiring after that won't be entitled to a pension until they are 68. Maybe they want you to work until you die. Let's talk about this with Ethel Buckley, who's Deputy General Secretary with SIPTU, who's spearheading, uh, spearheading SIPTU's Stop 67 pay Pension Age. Campaign. Good morning to you, Ethel Buckley, and thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme uh, this morning. Indeed, Patricia King has been uh, making the point that uh, this has been of grave concern to ICTU since 2011 when increases in the pension age were first muted. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. Yep, I think it's worth taking a minute to ju- just uh, look at the background to this issue, which has suddenly blown up to be possibly one of the in the top three certainly issues in the general election campaign so as you said the government uh, effectively rose the state pension age from 65 to 66 back in 2014 with the abolition of the transition pension and um, that has caused a lot of problems for SIP2 members and for workers around the country the problem is that many people are required to, by contract or by collective agreement, to retire from their work at 65. Mm. And it has left this gap now between 65 and 66. And And a gap of €45.30, I think it is, isn't it? Uh, Which is the difference between the dole and the pension. Exactly, Michael. There are two issues. So for a, a massive drop in income, 
the difference between the state pension and the unemployment people unemployment payment that people get is as you say 45 euros a week for a single person and 76 euros a week for an adult with a, a dependent but the other problem is and of course people don't get the household benefit package so that's a very significant loss in retirement income but the other issue, and I don't think we can discount it in the discussion around the state pension, is that for many people, it's not acceptable after a lifetime of working and paying their PRSI contributions into a pension that they funded themselves effectively. It's a taxpayer-funded uh, social insurance fund that they would then be asked to go down to the Dole office and to sign on the Dole for many SITU members. That's an indignity because these are people who have provided for themselves all their lives. They never expected to be go down to the Dole office and um, people feel very strongly that they shouldn't have to, to do that and shouldn't have to. In some cases, we're hearing from members all across the country over the last number of years, in some cases to have the person in the Dole office then say, because they're required mm. to say, uh, where is the evidence that you are job seeking? And you are yes. making this an election issue now, not to go from 66 to 67, but yes. that would cost the state 217 million euro. Yes, we are. And and the so SIP2, last year we had our policy conference and our members asked us to make the state pension issue the priority issue for SIP2 in the general election. And we kicked off our campaign back in October. SIP2 members all around the country Uh, speaking to their politicians, emailing their politicians, raising this issue with the goal, the union's goal was to put this issue on the general election agenda. Because at that time, Michael, if you think back, politicians were not talking about the state Mm. pension. It was going under the radar, really. And the proposal, the legislative, the legislation to proceed on New Year's Day, that's what's going to happen on New Year's Day in 2021, next New Year's Day, the state pension age is will go to 67 if we don't get this Well, done. that's if you live long enough, as I say. Uh, some people would think uh, that uh, they might want you to work until you die, uh, but we'll leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Ethel Buckley, Deputy General Secretary with uh, the SIP2 Trade Union and uh, the SIP2's Stop 67 pay- Pension Age campaign. Uh, and indeed, she's right in saying that uh, the pension age has become an election issue, as has crime, and we'll be speaking with Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan of the Louth Garda Division in a moment. Michael Reed on LMFM. Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan, good morning to you and uh, thank you for coming in to us uh, this morning. I suppose uh, the eyes of uh, the country have been on Drogheda this last week or so, indeed uh, this last couple of years or so. Perhaps uh, you can begin by giving us an overview of uh, the situation uh, as things stand this morning. Where are you in terms of investigating uh, the murder of Keen Mulready Woods? Good morning, Michael. Uh, well, we're, I suppose, a little over a week into the murder investigation. Um, obviously, it's, it straddles across three divisions into Coolock and then back into the Mount Jai Store Street area. So we have a, a, a very major investigation with, with the, the three detective units involved and a considerable number of, of, of officers involved in carrying out house-to-house inquiries, uh, our normal uh, investigative strategies such as witness interviews and obviously there were a number of crime scenes that uh, required examination and they will be followed up with the uh, normal um, 
forensic testing and that 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 will take uh, a certain uh, period of time but that 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 those, those strands have been actively followed up i suppose um you know there were a number of vehicles involved we had a, a volvo involved yeah. uh, you know and you know that 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 obviously was driven across a number of divisions and where where the CCTV is a very very important uh, facet of, of of the investigation. Do you know where and when Keane was murdered? We are building up a picture of when Keane left his home, when he left his 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 mam and his family. So we are aware of um, certain areas he may have been in Drogheda, mm. and we're obviously building up a very very strong picture of what. Uh, he was at. And he was last seen on Dominic's Bridge at 6 yeah. o'clock uh, a week ago on Sunday. He was, and that's a busy area. That is a very busy area. A lot of people around, you know, there will be a lot of taxis, a lot of people moving around on a Sunday evening. So, obviously, there are people that would have seen Keane, you know, that would have known him. So, we have some people uh, who have made contact with us. Uh, I certainly would appeal to the to other people who certainly are in possession of information in relation to where Keane went, mm. uh, who he met, and ultimately what 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 happened to him and where. They're, they're the important things we're, we're trying to establish. Do you believe he was killed in Drogheda? Uh, y- yes, we would suspect that Keane was killed in Drogheda, yes. Do you think that that happened last Sunday night? We're trying to narrow down the exact time period it happened. Um, obviously there are certain aspects of the investigation that it can't go into for evidential reasons but we would be satisfied that uh, Keane was murdered in the Drogheda area uh, and then uh, his his remains then were transported to uh, obviously other locations in Dublin, Dublin so that takes a certain level of support by a number of people uh, You'd have to question whether somebody could do that on their own or do do they need logistical support. So they're all aspects of the investigation we are looking at. Uh, obviously and there's the missing remains as well. Yes, there yeah. are. And, and, and very, very unfortunately, there, there are uh, missing remains, which makes it very, very difficult for Keane's family. Obviously, they are, you know, endeavouring to plan for a funeral. That's not easy when um you know all of the remains of Keane are not 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 there so that that's a very very sensitive issue and we're dealing with the family in relation to that and we're mindful of all the sensitivities with obviously Keane's mm. family but there are a lot of other young people you know but it, it may be a case that they may have to decide to bury him uh, in part I, uh, I, and I it may not be possible to bury him intact it's a very sensitive issue Michael. Yes, so of course, I, I, yes, I think yeah, I'll, yeah, I I just yeah, we we'll, yeah. we'll leave that between uh, the family and the investigators and, and you know we, we, we certainly will be giving full support mm. to the family in relation to that issue because it, it, it is a difficult issue for anybody to deal with uh, you know the, a normal death is very mm. very difficult for people to deal with Oh absolutely and I don't mean to be insensitive uh, to the family but uh, I think it spells out the horror that is upon all of us Yes but I, I, I also would you know there, there, this, this is obviously a, a, a horrific murder all, mm. all murders are horrific but we uh, as investigators we, we have to manage you know an investigation so as that we're not uh, instilling a, an ingrained fear in people that they, they, they mm. may say well you know can we talk to the police can we talk to Angarchi Khan you know 
you know, you certainly can talk to Angard Shikana and you can talk to us in a very, very confidential way. Mm. There are a number of ways that people talk to us. You know, they, they contact us on a personal level, they contact us at the Garda station or, you know, they will simply contact us on the Garda confidential line or through Crime Stopper. So, you know, there are, there are a number mm. of avenues for people to, to, to speak with us and to impart the information that they have because the one thing we do know from, you know, previous investigations into horrific crimes that people have possession of information in their in, in, in their minds and they have to carry a huge responsibility themselves personally for possession of information and they also have to be mindful of their own their own um, family circumstances but in the long term you know if they don't impart the information to us They'll have to live with that for a long time, maybe mm. for the rest of their lives. And we have seen previously with, with, with murder investigations where people eventually come forward and they've lived with the, the, the information that could have solved the information and brought some comfort uh, to the victim's family and also to, to the people of Drogheda that they did provide that information. So it's important mm. that people reflect on what they know. Um, and there's know, many ways uh, of huge, getting that information to you. They could uh, impart it through a priest, uh, through the radio station, through a counsellor, through a TD, yeah. um, or they could go directly, of course, to the guard station. There's many different ways of getting the information to you. There are, and we receive information on a, on a, on a very regular basis, on a daily basis, from mm. people in, in various guises uh, to make contact with us. Um, you know, because they, they obviously they're concerned for themselves personally because they have the information in, in, in their own uh, mind and they want to impart it and it's, I suppose it's the way you know the, the opportunity to impart it is important so there are as you say many many ways to do it and what I would say is to people you know you have to reflect on what you know and we want to be there to protect all people and, and we certainly are but we do need the support mm. of the community we do need the community to give us the uh, the information because you know as a community and as as, as uh, you know the, the police the, the guardian in in this town we need to stand together very very strong uh, and deal forcibly with the people who are intent on causing maximum damage. I think we're all horrified by what happened to Keane Mulready Woods, but we were all terrified by what happened on the Bridge of Peace because it was such a, a public setting for a shooting of that sort to take place. Do you think it was in retaliation for the murder of Keane Mulready Woods? Well, obviously, that's, that's one line of inquiry that, that we would look at, uh, Michael, but I suppose we've had a number of a number of instances where you know people have tried to shoot, uh, you know, somebody in 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 in, in the what would be considered the the other gang are uh, involved in this feud, and um, that's we're obviously conducting an in-depth investigation in relation to that. Um, members of Gardaí Corner were there within ten seconds. Mm. It was you know, the, and we heard that the directly response. from the taxi driver, yeah. as I understand it, uh, because it happened so close to the Garda station from the scene of the shooting you could look directly into the windows of the Garda station but as I understand it some Garda drove up from the station and some ran up from the station Yes and I think one of the first people there uh, was actually Superintendent Waters so you know the, the, the response times were very very quick but having said that 10 seconds is a long time for a car to escape you know they, they, they can escape in a very very fast time from 
from the scenes. You know, I mean, in order to catch somebody involved in a shooting, you almost have to be on scene, which is obviously very uh, problematic for us and, and, and the opposition because we, we, we some of our officers will be armed, some will not be armed. Mm. And because they had the road blocked, I take it that they had a, a clear getaway route. But how long did it take before the armed response unit arrived at the scene? Was it several hours? No, I mean, you know, I, I, I've read reports, uh, you know, where there's complaints about response from armed people. We had armed people there very, very quickly and they were there so quickly that they were able to administer... Um, medical support to the injured party uh, and that's what our armed support and our and our emergency response people are, are, are highly trained in, in is, is is intervening until the the uh, ambulance crews arrive and 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 they, they will they will take it off from there because they're obviously the experts but our people are, are very well trained in in you know medical intervention and we've had it in the county, in other towns where, you know, mm. the, the, the armed support arrive and they administer medical assistance. So so the the where they're very, very quickly... Was it ours before members of the ERU responded? Well, in, in relation to the ERU, the ERU have provided huge support to us in this town and in, in, in other parts of the, the county in relation to incidents that do take place. So they, they will be there on a planned basis, uh, you know, and I have sought the ERU on a number of occasions in relation to, you know, matters that I, I would consider they should be here for, you know, yeah. if, if, if I had information that there was going to be a, a possible attack, I, I certainly would seek the services of the ERU and I've never ever been refused the services of the ERU. They're a highly trained, highly specialised group of people and they provide very, very good support for us. But we also have a considerable number of uh, armed support people we've a considerable mm. number of detectives who but the, are armed. The, the letter from Kieran O'Neill of the GRA seems to indicate uh, that the ERU was asked uh, to respond uh, to give back up to the Gardaí when this shooting took place and it took several hours before they could respond and that that put lives at risk I read the article this morning and uh, I mean I, I suppose I, I'll, be, I'll be quite Blunt with it, I, I have a considerable number of other very pressing matters I can tell you on my desk this morning and to be dealt with this afternoon. That uh, letter obviously will be dealt with the uh, Chief Superintendent in stock and I have no doubt he'll, he'll provide an answer for it. The one thing I will say is I have never ever had any difficulty in securing the services of the Emergency Response Unit. They have been really, really good. Uh, they, they will be here at a moment's notice for me. Let it be three o'clock in the day or three o'clock in the morning. Mm. They, they have been here and uh, I'm never shy about saying when we don't have enough resources, mm. I, 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 I would always be very frank with the public. So if there was a problem, I would say it. But I, for me personally... Even though that no, unit is down 21 officers, uh, they say that they're not allowed to work overtime and that the equipment that they have is outdated. Uh, the bulletproof vests that they have are, are, are not sufficient and they have gone past the manufacturing out of date. Well, they may be internal... Uh, complaints or concerns that I don't have any information in relation to. What I would say is when they come here they're suited and booted and well able to do the job that I ask them to do on a, on a, on a regular basis and if I have made requests at 2 o'clock in the morning and I have got them out and they have 
turned up and um, done a lot of good work for me, I can tell you. Okay, it's uh, sometime since you were last in the studio with us. Uh, at that stage, uh, you were saying that you believed there were about 100 people involved in this dispute between the two gangs in Drogheda. It seems uh, to have extended out past Drogheda uh, into Coolock uh, and certainly Bettystown, Laytown and beyond uh, and into parts of Dublin. Uh, how many people would you say are involved in this dispute at this stage? Well, our, I suppose our initial uh, assessment was that there was approximately, you know, 50, maybe 55 in e- on each side. And I suppose it has maybe grown to a certain degree. And we certainly have observed that there are other parties getting involved from uh, different areas, including uh, Dublin. Um, th- that unfortunately does happen with, 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 with disputes because one side might be getting maybe a, an upper hand or they, they might be perceived to be a little bit stronger. So it's something we expected. It's something that we are dealing with. Uh, obviously, we have huge interactions with uh, the, the Mead uh, Gardaí and we have huge interactions with uh, our, our other colleagues in Dublin. So it's something I certainly expected uh, because, you know, the two groupings involved have um, obviously they've made their intentions known through their actions and uh, that's quite obvious. Is it double the problem though? Would there be 200 involved now? No, I wouldn't think so. No, 150? So. Uh, somewhere, I'd say, in, in around 100, mm. 120. Okay, and know. they're threatening each other by all accounts. How, how many of the 120 people involved in this are at risk of losing their lives? Well, look, at I, that's, that's, I'm afraid it's not a question I, I, I can definitively answer. I, I can say that we have dealt with uh, threats to kill from very from the various groups, but we've also put in a number of interventions to prevent them from causing damage to each other, and and that has happened on a regular, a regular basis. I suppose is maybe what was important for us. For, uh, you know, we during the summer were in a position to with 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 the people of Drogheda, and I mean the people of Drogheda deserve massive credit for it. You know, we ran probably one of the more most successful cultural mm. uh, events in Flakyol, uh without n- any incident and between that and Christmas was relatively quiet in the commission of the incidents that you know what, you know that that they weren't actually assaulting each other on the street um but for it seems to have heated up uh, and we we were seeing that heating up uh, after Christmas um the there was uh, threats and 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 counter threats and uh, you know, attempts to to attack each other. Yeah. So we we were dealing with those. So it seems to have heated up in the in the last uh, two weeks. You know, since basically the new year began, we've had um, an escalation of it. Um, it does take a considerable uh, considerable management, and uh, you know, we 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 obviously have a lot of other issues in in, in the division. We have, you know, crime yeah. commit, committed uh, unfortunately that would would and can happen. So we deal, we deal, with, deal with all these issues. Well, on the day of the shooting, <coughs> you were dealing with an attempted ATM robbery. We were, and I was out there that morning where, where obviously people, you know, decided they would uh, rip the uh, ATM out in Dunlear and cause major problems for, obviously, for mm. financial institutions, but they also caused major problems for people who were trying to go to work and children trying to go to school. So, it, you know, that, that was a, a, a very major criminal act that we have we we were dealing with and we're still dealing with it because obviously we we have to have a, a comprehensive investigation in, in relation to that.
Okay, and uh, I suppose people's expectations are to some extent realistic and they know that you can't be everywhere uh, every time uh, and that means uh, that people are fearful. I'm sure you've heard that from people yourself. Uh, People are telling us uh, that their children are afraid to go out on their own and they're afraid that their children won't come home and uh, there is this sense of anxiety in Drogheda. Yes, and I I see that and uh, I get that feeling from people. Um, What I say is that you know, we, uh, as a as a, an organisation, we're standing very strong with the public. Uh, we're we're dealing with the the criminal gangs on a, on a toe-to-toe basis. We have a very robust policing plan in place to deal with them. Uh, it does take a lot of energy, and you know, we have a you know it, it's been organised by the people at Drogheda. You know, they, they they're they're coming together for a meeting on Saturday, and I certainly support. The, uh, the people in Drogheda and I'll be there myself to show my support to the people at Drogheda and <coughs> excuse me I think we, we once we stand to stand together uh, and need to stand up for our town mm. uh, Will people be safe doing that? Uh, you're, you're, you're attending yourself uh, uh, I'm sure uh, you'd like to assure people that they will be safe uh, that security will be uh, such that there will be no threat to anybody who decides to stand uh, in solidarity with the people who are concerned about what's happening. I would absolutely encourage everybody, and I mean everybody in Drogheda, to come in and show, um, you know, show to the people of Ireland, you know, that they're standing up for their town. I know it's my job to take on criminals and to deal with criminals. I will do that. Absolutely, I will do that, and I'll do it every day of the week. No problem whatsoever. But, you know, through fear must come, through, come courage. We have to have courage to stand together, to take them on, and we will do it. I've no doubt we'll do it. And on Saturday, I would encourage everybody that's able to get into town. Uh, it will be a well-planned um, meeting where people can come in and express their opinions uh, in relation to the, the whole debacle. And we'll be, we'll be there to make sure that they're safe. Okay. And we'll, we'll have a good place and plan in place. All right. And that will be at half past one at the Bridge of Peace uh, to move on to uh, St. Peter's Church on West Street at two o'clock. <coughs> Chief Superintendent, uh, you certainly have your work cut out for you. Uh, I think uh, there is uh, little doubt that you have uh, the support of the vast majority of people listening to us uh, today. Uh, but uh, as you've recognised yourself, uh, there is an element of fear. Just uh, some closing words uh, for people uh, (coughs) listening to us uh, today uh, in terms of living in this town, whether you're afraid of what's happening, if you're concerned about what's happening or if you have information about what's happening. What I would say to the people at Trahada, we live and work in a fantastic town. And for me, it's a privilege to be here to you know, to make sure that uh, you know the town uh, is managed in on, on on all policing issues, we have a very very heavy police presence in the town, and I'm I'm aware that that actually can cause concern to people mm. because I've heard people saying that you know they can hear the Garda helicopter mm. up here at three o'clock. Oh, it's terrible! It's very disturbing. Yeah, you, it is, you, you hear the helicopter, you wonder what's happening. Uh, yeah, you see uh, the armed response unit driving by, and you wonder, you know, uh, what are they going to do with the guns on board? Well, what I would say to people is when you hear the Garda helicopter, that's there for a very good reason. Uh, we're, we're making sure that criminals can't do what they wish. Uh, and 
we have an, you know, a, a very, very detailed armed response. They're there to keep people safe too. We're in the estates uh, carrying out checkpoints on a very regular basis. They're not, they're, they're not designed to target the ordinary decent people of Drogheda who are going about their daily basis, who are going out socialising at the weekends. And I would encourage people, please go out the weekends. We, we You know, you will be safe. We have, uh, as I say, a considerable um, number of Gardaí out there to make sure that they will be safe. But uh, what I would say is to the people who are involved, uh, and get, it's getting to a stage where there are a number of people who don't want to be involved, it's gone so bad that they never expected to get to this this point. So they probably are in a period, whether they realise it or not, of reflection themselves as to what they actually got themselves into. So they need to consider their own options because if they continue as they are, it will end up, unfortunately, uh, with people getting hurt, possibly themselves. So they do have a they have an opportunity, and, and I mean this is a golden opportunity for them to say, right, I've had enough of this. Come speak with us, impart the information to us. Uh, they're the people who know where the criminals involved in this uh, store their guns, store their money, store their drugs, and they know where they keep their assets. So that's all very, very important information for us. We will treat them in a very, very confidential way. And I'll also say, obviously, in relation to the murder of Keane, there are also people there who have information, and we're very much aware that they have information. They need to reflect as well uh, because I'd say they're in a very very difficult position and they realise that if this continues they could be uh, you know the, the victim of violence themselves so you know unfortunately cocaine and other drugs have uh, you know th- that's that's the market that these people earn their profits from and we need to continue to interrupt it uh, Unfortunately, last year, or fortunately, people would say we arrested in excess of 150 people involved in uh, dealing in drugs, which is which is a lot. And then we've we've arrested a considerable number of people for basic possession. Um, so we do we we recognise that we have a problem, but I think if we work together and work strongly together, very strongly together, we certainly will deal with this and we'll rid our town of the people. Intent on causing damage. Okay, thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, this morning, uh, Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan of uh, the Louth Garda Division. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, in between now and Election Day, we're hoping to uh, speak uh, with uh, the local candidates in uh, the general election. That's if you're in Louth, Mead West, or Mead East. And uh, today we'll be speaking uh, with uh, the Labour Party candidate in uh, Louth, who is uh, former TD and uh, current uh, Senator Gerald Nash. And a very good morning to you. Thank you for coming in to us uh, this morning. Thanks for having me. on the programme, former minister for that matter. Uh, You're very welcome to the programme and thanks uh, for joining us. Tell us a a little bit about your campaign and why you'd ask people to vote Nash number one. Well, um, we've been working very hard uh, over the last three to four years to regain that seat that was narrowly lost. Back in 2016, uh, by a mere 300 votes or so, uh, and our pitch essentially is that the Irish people have made a lot of sacrifices over the last few years to try to get to the point where we're at now. And we, what we want to do is use our newfound and very hard-won prosperity to not tax cuts, not cut taxes for the better off, but to make sure that the hard-won prosperity that we've achieved, the resources that we now have, can be invested in. For example, uh, free GP care for all children under 18. 
we want to make sure that primary level education is genuinely free. So that involves removing the cost of school books and so-called voluntary contributions and so on. We want to move as well to transition the national minimum wage on which I've done so much work over Mm. the last few years into a real living wage to make sure that work always pays. And in addition, what we want to do is make sure that we put a roof over everyone's head by using the resources we have to build 80,000 public and affordable homes. Are you concerned that Sinn Féin may have stolen your thunder? Uh, Looking at the latest opinion poll, uh, Labour has uh, dropped uh, in uh, ratings down to 5%. I think think you you may have been buoyed up about your own campaign recently, uh, but uh, this will mean that your party is struggling, whereas they're now talking about the three big parties, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. Well, it doesn't actually really tally with what we're hearing on the doorsteps, that old uh, adage and that old analogy. Um, we're very positive about the response that we've received. Uh, I think people in the Drogheda area in particular uh, are looking for a representative that's listened to a Leinster House. We know the problems that have occurred in Drogheda, South Loud and East Meath over recent mm. years. Uh, I have demonstrated in terms of what I've done around the abolition of zero contracts, around work around low pay and so on, that mm. I can get things done. And there is individual contests, remember, in each constituency across this country. So national polls in themselves can be a little bit misleading. The Labour Party isn't running candidates in every single constituency. Mm. And our support historically across the country, uh, outside of maybe an election and a generation, uh, each generation, has been quite sort of patchy. So I'd, I'd say this, I mean, we're confident that we will... Um, you know, of every um, opportunity to win that seat. Uh, the response that we're getting on the doors uh, would lead us to believe that. And there's a campaign to be run. This is a snapshot in time mm. with three weeks to go in an election um, campaign. And so, we heard the Chief Superintendent reflect many of uh, the concerns uh, that you and I, I think everybody has uh, in the Drogheda area. And he also called on people to stand together uh, on Saturday uh, at this rally that will take place beginning at half one on uh, the Bridge of Peace. The Taoiseach has been invited. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from Leo Radker as to whether he will attend. But all party leaders have been invited do you know if uh, Brendan Hallen intends uh, to come along? Uh, I'm not so sure. Brendan, of course, was here last week and spoke very eloquently um, in the knowledge of the work that I've been doing over the last two years to address a lot of the fundamental issues that are feeding into this in particular uh, feud. And I know that our mayor, um, uh, and that's correct, it should come from our mayor as our civic leader. Our mayor should be organising this uh, as a demonstration um, uh, of the will of the community mm-hmm. against what's happening uh, in our town. Uh, and we know that the actions of these individuals do not represent us. Uh, Drada is better than that. We've demonstrated that time and time uh, again. Uh, and I am very anxious indeed to make sure that we get the resources we need to deal with this. I've spoken time and again on this mm. programme that what we need is a Limerick-style response uh, to this ongoing murderous feud. We need to ensure that people are taken off the mm. streets, taken to the Special Criminal Court and banged up for a very long time. And what do you make of this report this morning about the ERU taking hours to respond uh, when uh, they were called uh, to back up when that shooting took place on uh, the Bridge of Peace? The Chief Superintendent seemed pretty dismissive that, uh, of that this morning. Well, he did, and I, I have every confidence yeah. in um, our Chief Superintendent, Christy Mangan. Uh, I think he is doing a good job under very, very difficult circumstances. I was contacted, of course, when this uh, revelation, this claim was made earlier on this morning by national media, and I said, of course, that the Guardian and Drogheda need every um, uh, ounce of support yeah. that they can possibly obtain uh, nationally to uh, quell this feud and to make sure that the people of Drogheda feel uh, safe. Uh, I'm somewhat reassured from 
by what mm. um, Christy Mangan well, said. He said armed guards were there within seconds. They were able to provide medical assistance and uh, that he had no issue and never has had, had any issue in getting assistance well, from the EU. There needs to be some conflicts yeah. between what the GRA said mm. and that needs to be mm. taken very seriously mm. indeed and the response from um, Christy Mangan who of course leads Garda operations mm. in this area. What I've said this morning is that uh, this is... Uh, this, uh, Allegation is of such a serious um, nature and of such serious gravity that it needs to be addressed by the Garda Commissioner to, re- to reassure us all that we've got the resources that we need. Because remember, time and time again, mm. we've had visits from the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner and the famous line that Drogheda will get what Drogheda needs, mm. that hadn't been delivered on. And it was only last April when that shooting took place in Harman's Gardens that we got the Garda, additional Garda resources into this town. So people need to be reassured because it is the issue of the day in this area. Uh, and this is not an issue that's new mm. to me, Michael. You and I have been discussing this probably for about three years now mm-hmm. uh, and it came as no surprise that first shooting uh, in the summer of uh, 2018 that led to the escalation of this particular feud and I was struck by what John Mooney crime correspondent with the national media said uh, when I appeared on a programme in RTE last week with the Minister for Justice when he said a town the scale of Drogheda and the size of Drogheda should not have a feud of this nature no. um, this is the reality there's a small number of people mm. involved in this I have been very clear on how this issue should be addressed uh, and I uniquely have said for the last yeah. 18 months that what we've needed is well, a multi-agency task force. It's the kind, it's the kind of thing that happens in the Bronx all, in a, a city of, uh, that has a population of but, 10 million, not, not, not 40,000. It's only now mm. that the Minister mm. for Justice mm. in the heat of an election campaign and a bid to try to reassure the people of Drada who've been ignored for the last 18 months in terms of our cries for support on this, that he has accepted that there's some merit in the argument mm. of a multi-agency response to deal holistically with a lot of the problems mm. feeding into this particular feud. Uh, it's not good enough. Well, it, it goes back to what I said to the Taoiseach last week about one armed or one patrol car, not armed, one patrol car uh, for all of uh, Drogheda at the time of the shooting at the M1 retail park. But what this is, I think, is a, a, a kind of history, a recent history of neglect. Uh, and uh, this is, um, people may not like me saying this, I think this is a, a demonstration of um, the inability of representatives mm. in the Dáil for this area to actually mm-hmm. get the message across to our national leaders of what Drogheda requires. What Drogheda needs is a respected voice at national level that's listened to as uh, somebody who gets things done. Yeah, well it's quite uh, amazing uh, that uh, during a general election campaign there's uh, little time on this programme for talk of anything else, uh, but thank you for talking to us about it again and indeed for joining us uh, this morning. That's a uh, Labour Party Senator and uh, general election candidate for the Labour Party in Louth, Gerald Nash. Michael Reed on LMFM. Let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and good morning to everybody listening in. Noel was in touch, and Noel says, if there are detectives with guns working in the area, why do the Gardaí need to depend on the ERU? That's his thoughts. Uh, Another listener, Maria, texted in to say, did Leo not say that all resources would be made available to the guards? And of course, she's referring to the Taoiseach, Michael. uh, And that Mm. people should remember this at the ballot box. Uh, Jenny got in touch to say that despite the best efforts of the guardie, she feels that many people are afraid to go into Drogheda generally, that it's become something of a no-go area for the public. And she says that it's unbelievable that these people are walking around freely in the town and that people are afraid and that the Gardaí need to remember that. 
uh, that also it has spread out into the periphery of the town that there are members living in villages around the area and mm-hmm. this is of a concern to the people living in those particular areas. Well, there's no doubt uh, there's some truth in that uh, and that's probably why the chief superintendent uh, intendant, uh, called on people to go out and to socialise, to go shopping, to go out and have dinner, to have a drink or whatever it is you normally do and don't be afraid. Uh, he uh, appealed to people to do that. Uh, it was unprompted as well, it has to be said, uh, and uh, he did so because he, he knows uh, that some people are feeling uh, afraid of being in Drogheda at this, at this stage. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, from an anonymous listener who's concerned, says, uh, grateful to have you, Michael, putting these questions to our politicians and the people of the, who, who are in authority. You are asking what the people want to know and you know all too well of the fear within our community, says well, this listener. That's, uh, I suppose, what local radio is for. Paul listening in this morning would like to know, can they not get the army to control the streets of Drogheda? Was it not done in Limerick before? And if it was, why can't that be done in Drogheda? Mm, I'm not sure it was done in Limerick, was it? I'm not sure. Mm, I don't think so. I don't recall it, to be honest. Mm, Uh, Pat from Navin says, Navin is just as bad. The only difference there is that nobody has been killed yet. Pat says that he attends AA for a drink problem he has. And since 2000, he can't get over the amount of young lads coming in with drug problems. Mm. Navin, he says, is swamped with drugs. Okay, well, uh, it has become one of uh, the big issues in uh, the general election. The general election is uh, to take place on uh, the 8th of February and you're asked to vote if you're entitled to vote. And uh, you may be entitled to vote, uh, but uh, there may be some work to do in between now and Wednesday. James Durley, Deputy Director with uh, the National Youth Council of Ireland, is on the line. And a very good morning to you, James, and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, People uh, may need to to check if they are registered to vote. Indeed, Michael, yeah, and obviously we're particularly, um, uh, you know, calling on, I suppose, young people. There's up to 700,000 young people aged 18 to 29 nationally and over 46,000 in Louth and Mead alone Mm. who are eligible to vote. But as you say, um, unless you're on the register, even though you might be eligible, you you wouldn't, you you can't vote. So we're really encouraging young people um, to to go to a website which is checktheregister.ie but in fairness to both Loud and Meat County Councils as well they have information on their websites about about registration so you can go to that website checktheregister.ie um, put in your details now it is a bit uh, the, the it's a bit like um, putting your stuff into a, a, a booking form it, it is a bit case sensitive so you might need to just uh, use you know the, the more normally used uh, your, your your name sometimes apostrophes or whatever mm-hmm. don't always work but I think um, if, if, if you've looked and, uh, and it, it seems that you're not registered, then we'd encourage people on that website as well. There is a form called an RFA2 form. Um, you need to um, uh, download that form. You need to, to fill it out and you need to bring it to a Garda station, your local Garda station with ID. They'll stamp it for you. And then it needs to be back. If you're living in County Mead, it needs to be with Mead County Council by close of business uh, tomorrow. Uh, and likewise, obviously, if you're living in Loud. So really, um, we're just encouraging people to do that today. Because if you put it in the post today, um, before the deadline, obviously, yeah. mm. it will have it tomorrow. So, And also, it's important to note, Michael, that um, many young people turn, you know, up to 60,000 young people annually, you know, become uh, turn 18. Uh, very, uh, you know, uh, big 
day in their lives, but oh, they're also so, entitled yes. to mm. vote. Mm. Yeah, uh, and, and it'll be the first opportunity for them to vote. If you have voted before and you haven't moved, uh, if you have the same address and you voted before, you're probably uh, in no trouble. You're you're probably registered and you will most likely be okay in that uh, whether you're um, uh, receiving a, a polling card or, or not, you'll be entitled to vote. Yeah, Michael, if you voted, let's say, in the most recent um, referendums or in the local and European mm. elections, you know, and you've you've not contacted the local authority or you've, you've not changed address or whatever, your details haven't changed, well, there's no, you know, there's no reason why you know you're you're you know you're not already on the register but if you want to check there's no there's no harm in doing that but yes this is really for people who've moved or for young people who will be 18 on or before the 8th of february you know, they do need to get on the register now there was a there is a confusion in relation to people who registered between um may the end you know just after local european elections and up to the end of last year there is a lack of clarity as to whether the people who sent in their forms in that kind of six, seven month period are registered. And uh, we're kind of saying, well, if in doubt, you know, mm. uh, don't leave it a chance, you know, you know, maybe ring the local authority, maybe go online. But if it's in doubt, if it's not clear if you are actually registered, well, then we really recommend that you get that RFA2 form and fill it out and send it in because um, we get calls from, from young people and emails and, and messages. You know, people are very disappointed when they turn up at a polling station, you know, and they're all eager to vote and have made their decision and then realise they're not on the voters list. Mm. And there's nothing the polling staff can do um, you know, so I think, um, you know, just really, you know, for the sake of five minutes today, just, just go on that website, check the register.ie. Well, that's it. Sure. If yeah. you're over 18, you're an Irish citizen, you're entitled to vote, uh, but uh, you can only exercise your democratic right if you are registered. Uh, check the register.ie is the website. Uh, if you're not on the register, you have to fill out this form in RFA2. Uh, you'll get that from the council and it has to be back before close of business tomorrow. James, thank you very much indeed for joining us here this morning. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. James Durley, Deputy Director with the National Youth Council of Ireland. Now let's go back uh, to some more of uh, the calls uh, that have been coming to us. What else have you got there, Marie? Michael, we have a couple in on the pension situation just following your interview at the top of the show. Cathy listening in this morning says not only has a person now to wait until they are 67 slash 68 for retirement, if they need to finish work at 65 due to illness, etc., they have to go on the dole for a year and then are means tested on their savings, which they have worked all their life for. For a married couple with a joint account, they are both means tested on the full amount individually instead of as a couple. Mm. For nine months, I think it is these days. <laughs> Michael also mm. phoned in on mm. the same uh, topic to say that our ministers and TDs' pensions being pushed up to 68. My understanding is that they are not. That would be double standards in my book. There seems to be an element of looking after themselves and leaving people like me behind. He says that he worked for 42 years and won't qualify now for another three months. So he's on the dole. OK. Also, I suppose on he could get a job, could he? <laughs> I mean, Don't be rubbing salt yeah. into the wound of, of Michael, well, who, who is very... Well, obviously, well, he had to leave yeah. his job. I mean, well, what age is he? 66? Actually, he could, well, work, he could work, get another 20 years out of him. <laughs> okay. He's only a young flip, for God's sake. Mm. Um, OK, mm. we, we, we'll see what we think ourselves when we get to that age, Michael. Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, Anne uh, from Dundalk says that she has brought this issue of the state pension up with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael callers looking for her vote and they didn't really know how to answer her so they won't be getting her vote if that still continues to be the case. She's wondering what parties are trying to reverse this proposal because it is of huge importance to people like her. I've worked all my adult life and I'm now expected to work until I'm 67. It's really very insulting to the working people of this country. Okay, uh, I think it's uh, 72 or something like that uh, that they're proposing people uh, get uh, the pension in Denmark uh, in the coming years. Really? Mm. Oh mm. my God, we, mm. we, we'll be working until we die, so Michael, the way well, things are going. I think that's the idea. I mean, uh, I remember uh, not so long ago Leo Radker making the point uh, that uh, in the 1970s you didn't get the pension until you were 70. Uh, but uh, the uh, average lifespan for uh, a man was 68 and for a woman 69 so most people were dead before they qualified for the pension so it was a case of working till you die you see that makes it affordable right it's not much to look forward to though is there Uh, well you can be very happy working all of your life Um, we'll move if I can mm. from that just, just a couple of others in on the crime situation mm. Mm. Bob from Dundalk says he's a young father of two children and is very worried about the future for them he feels that legislation needs to change so that people can be taken off the streets when it's apparent that they are involved in this type of activity mm. uh, Michael can anyone tell me why we have the army in this country apart from going abroad on peacekeeping missions which I commend them for what other purpose do they serve why can't they be put on the streets to keep law and order which quite clearly the Gardaí need help on and that comes in from a Dundalk listener okay, because it's not a, a police state and uh, we have a, a police force to police uh, the state uh, rather than uh, a, an armed uh, unit uh, such as uh, the army uh, which uh, would uh, be pretty dramatic by anybody's standards I think Okay, we'll leave it on that so. All right, thank you indeed uh, for that and thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us today. If you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850-715-958. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now back uh, to uh, the general election. Uh, a number of getting to know your candidate uh, interviews uh, before polling day on the programme, one to one interviews, and indeed, of course, uh, as is traditional, we'll have round table debates which will begin on uh, the programme next week, uh, debating the issues uh, before you go to vote on the 8th of February. But let's meet one of your candidates now, who is uh, the Sinn Fein candidate in Meath East and sitting Councillor Darren O'Rourke. A very good morning to you and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about your campaign and why you believe uh, people should vote number one for Darren O'Rourke. Thanks, Michael, and, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, so I suppose we, we've been busy on, on the campaign trail, but essentially on a, on a rolling canvas um, for, for the last number of months. And what's been very clear, um, I suppose, is that People are hearing from the government that all is rosy in the garden, that the economy is going so well, that there's full employment um, and that we should be grateful for it and that there's, you know, program, there are plans to resolve the, the, the major crises that are out there. And I believe, and I think it's reflected in the polls, that, that people aren't buying it. Um, people in their own day-to-day lived experience um, are saying, 
what, what uh, where are we going here? Um, they're say they're saying if they're commuters, they're stuck in traffic. If they're um, in, in, paying for childcare, mm. if they're paying for rent, if they're paying mortgages, it's hand over fist everywhere they're they're caught, and they really are saying. I actually think it's a question of, you know, our priorities as a country. You know, it really a reflection of of what our values are. So, so you see it across the board. If you're working in childcare, if you're a nurse, if you're a carer, um, those people are really frustrated with the government at the minute. They're all out protesting. They're they're, they're fighting for 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 pay parity. They're fighting for for uh, a place at the table. Um, and I think. Um, after nine years in, in, in government, um, people have had their had their fill, and, and they can see through what uh, is spin and bluster from from the government in terms of uh, trying to sell a success story. Because uh, as people live it, it's not a success story, and they can't, you know. And, and I think it goes down to a very basic level. Like for example, in, in places like Kentstown, a small village, you can't you can't get a bus to, to Navan. No, it can't be done. But you can get a bus to Blanchardstown. Where is the logic and sense in that? Um, in places like Samullen, no, you can you can have you know hundreds, thousands of houses, but playground, forget about it, can't be done. And you know this argument of, oh well, where will the money come come mm. from, and where will the money come from? It's just I, I think people people see through that. They, they recognise that this is a a, a wealthy country, um, probably one of the most wealthy in in, in the world, um, and that we can't deliver the most basic of public amenities and facilities in 2020 when we could do these things in 1950 60 70 i i so so i think i think that's the background uh michael of okay you have a a battle on your hands though particularly in the constituency that you're in uh with uh three seats and uh two of them occupied by finnegal ministers regina doherty and helen mcintyre and the third by thomas byrne can you take on uh, these big guns I think we, we definitely can, and we showed that in, in, in 2016, where, where we ran a, a very su- successful campaign and uh, were, were there or thereabouts. Um, I think the opinion polls show, um, and, and this, is, this isn't my, my wishful thinking, um, I've said it for, for a number of months, it, it will be very difficult, practically impossible in my opinion, for Fine Gael to take two seats out of three. It, you know, it basically requires about... 35, you know, between 34 and 38 percent of the of, of the the vote, and um, they are nowhere near that. And I have to say, what I'm getting back on the doors uh, is is what I reflected earlier on there that people have had their fill of it. Um, that you know they're they're listening to this spin, they're listening to a mantra, um, but they're not living it. They're not living a, su- a success a success story. They're living it for a frustration um, um, and. And can't understand how they have less money than they had before. Yes, the conditions on which they are living, whether it be transport mm. infrastructure or um, you know day-to-day living costs, are getting worse and worse and worse. I suppose so, if you were to mirror the results of uh, the national poll in the Irish Times uh, today, it's a, a three-way split. Yeah, and that yeah, would it, work it, to your favour, obviously. It is, it is right, Michael. And, and look, uh, um, I. I'm being honest. I I don't take too much from the opinion polls. Um, obviously, they're encouraging, and you like bit of a shocker though to wake up to. I'm sure. 
Yeah, you, you like you like for them to be to be going your way, mm. but at the same time, we know it doesn't it doesn't deter us from uh, affect us in terms of the the job or work at hand. We know that that it, this is about engaging with people, talk, talking to them on their level, um, listening to, to 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 their issues, and trying to uh, persuade them in terms of where Sinn Féin policy at, is at, where where Sinn Féin's vision for Ireland um, is at, and to see if, if, if they will afford us the opportunity. And I, and I think, in fairness, some of what we're seeing in those opinion polls is people saying, we've had Fianna Fáil, we've had Fianna Gael, let's give Sinn Féin a, a chance, let's give them an, an opportunity here. Um, and, you know, I, I'm standing on, on my own track record um, as a county councillor, as a public representative. I've tried to be, I've been on your show a number of times, mm. I've tried to be straight and fair in, in, in relation to, to my assessment of it, um, um, and, and, and in terms of my own efforts, and, and we're putting ourselves out there. Um, we're, we're asking people for, for their number one vote based on, you know, my track to, record. To, to what end, Darren O'Rourke? Though I, I mean, uh, is this an effect uh, you going through the motions before you take up a, a seat in the European Parliament? Well, it's it's certainly not, Michael. And, and I have to say, I um, um, I'm, I'm not sure wh- what way to, to handle that other than to be absolutely straight in, in relation to it. I've, my, and I'll be straight with you, my political opponents in the local elections and in this general election are going from door to door and saying um, there's no point voting for Darren O'Rourke because he wants to be an MEP. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. OK, well, the of the- I, I, I will give you plenty of space to be as truthful as you want, but back up a little bit and tell me if I'm wrong. If... The current MEP, the Sinn Féin MEP, Matt Carthy, is elected in Cavan Monaghan and Darren O'Rourke is not elected in Meath East. You'll end up in the European Parliament. Is that right? That's a possibility. But, but, but I'll, tell you, I'll tell you exactly the case, Michael. And, and, and this is me being truthful with you and with your listeners. Um, about 18 months ago in the, the run-up to the, the um, local and European elections, party officials in Sinn Féin contacted me um, and... Uh, asked would I would I uh, consider put uh, be willing to put my name on the on the list? Now every other uh, candidate for the European Parliament was in the same position. They handed in a, a list of six names. So so at that time I said I appreciate the uh, I appreciate you thinking of me and um, thought about it and said yes I'll, I'll be willing to, to to put my name forward. Um, but my complete focus was on the local government elections and on securing a dull seat for Sinn Féin because I recognise, as everybody does, that the power in Ireland is in the Dáil, it's not the European Parliament, and actually the power in Europe isn't in the European Parliament, it's in the governments that we elect to the Council of Ministers and, and elsewhere. So, so the truth of it, Michael, is I am 100% focused on securing a dull seat for me these. Um, should, I, should I be unsuccessful in relation to it? The, the possibility of me being uh, a replacement for Matt Carty might come up, but at that stage, and only at that stage, I have, you know, I haven't talked about this to my family of a wife and a young son. Um, you know, I, I haven't considered it in terms of the the, the, the very practical implications. It's one thing mm. talking about it in the abstract. It's a very other thing think, thinking of it in terms of, well, what are the implications of that for my own future, for my family's future, for for the constituents of the the Midlands Northwest area, so that's that's me being absolutely uh, straight with people, and you know I'm like I'm not sure what other way to counteract the mischievous 
things that are going on uh, when, when people are canvassing saying that, that, that I'm not serious about this. I wouldn't be putting the effort in that I'm putting in, Michael, um, and a huge effort uh, if, if, if my focus was elsewhere. And, I, and I'm being, being completely straight with you in relation to that. Mm-hmm. There are a number of other people on that list. A number of them are, are sitting and ambitious to be TDs. And let's be clear about it. You want to be a TD if you want to deliver real change, and and that's what I want to do. Okay, but if you are elected and you were to become a, a TD, can you deliver real change in opposition? Because there's no future of, uh, no prospect of Sinn Féin being in government. Well, I, I don't accept that for 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 a start. Um, I think the the and and I've I've heard. Uh, what, what I would say are, are hypocritical, hypocritical and, and contradictory comments from the likes of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael who say you should take your seats in Westminster, you should take your seats in Stormont, you should do deals with the DUP, who criticised us after the, the last general election and said we wouldn't talk to anybody uh, for, for a programme for government. And now, all of a sudden, they're saying that we're, we're uh, not fit for government and we, 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 we wouldn't... Uh, do, do, do business with us. Well, they um, said that after the last general election, before they said you wouldn't talk to anybody. But, I mean, the point yeah. remains the same. They're not willing to do business with you. Uh, and that means that the only future for Sinn Féin is in opposition. Yeah, but well, well, first of all, I don't accept, I think if the numbers were right, if Sinn Féin had enough of a mandate, if Sinn Féin took 20, 21% of the, 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 the vote mm. and delivered on, on, on the amount of seats that that would deliver on, I think it would be impossible for anybody but... You think they'd let to, you, do you? No, I... I they, 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 they'd put up with you? Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm... I'm, in, I'm you know, uh, uh, I think that's offensive to to whatever about us as, as Sinn Féin mm. candidates. It's offensive to the electorate, you know, that, that um, you know, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, who have, since the foundation of this state controlled government not only government mm. but opposition as well i think you know uh, uh, you know we're a real alternative but are you not well that's is that not the point that you are this real alternative as you put it are you not the polar opposite of Fianna Fáil? are you not the polar opposite of Fine Gael? Uh, and if so how could Sinn Féin coalesce with either of those parties yeah, so, so so I guess in relation to that and uh, like we we've been very clear uh, around this that if we were to to enter any negotiations, it, it would only be on the basis that we were fit to deliver a Republican programme for government. And, and do you think you can do that issues. with Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil? It, that, that remains to be seen. So I'm that being means you're, you'll be in opposition? No, it, it remains to be seen uh, in terms of what we're fit to negotiate. Uh, obviously, as, as we've seen in relation to the North, um, the stronger your mandate, the better you are in a position to, to negotiate, the better deal. So, so I would say to people, if you want to, to see a Republican program of, uh, for government that delivers on housing, on health, on public transport, on infrastructure, that delivers the, the Navin railway line in, in County Mead, that, that cuts out uh, the, the nonsense bureaucracy that exists in so many places, well then... Um, support Sinn Féin and see where see where it takes you. Yeah. Um, mm. But Sinn Féin uh, wouldn't uh, deliver the Navin rail line, would it? Uh, certainly, and 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 in fairness to to uh, meet Sinn Féin and in the form of myself and mm. Councillor Johnny yeah, Gorkin. But Damien English would say he'd want it, uh, but Finnegan would say no. There's no business case for it. Yeah, which is which, and and we've picked apart that argument and we've made a, a particular effort over the last uh, number of months and mm. years to to show that there's public support, to show that um, first of all that our party has a very clear position in relation to it. So we have a 
a commitment from our recent RDF. We will have a commitment in our manifesto. Um, if Sinn Féin negotiates a programme for government, I can guarantee, Councillor Johnny Cook can guarantee that it will be in that programme for government. And the, tr- uh, the truth of it is, it's a perfect example of an issue that when we're talking about taking people out of cars um, and uh, addressing our carbon footprint, this is an issue that makes social sense. It gives people time back with their families, saves them the commuting hell on a, on a daily basis. It makes economic sense because of the, the, you know, the cost that congestion costs the, the economy up to, I think they said, uh, the Irish Times reported, €2 billion Euros, um, on an annual basis. People sitting in traffic, wasting time and energy and economic productivity, if that's the way you, you look, look at those things. And it makes absolutely environmental sense when we're 12 years away from, you know, a cliff edge. Okay. All right. Got to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us here on uh, the programme. Darren O'Rourke is uh, the Sinn Féin candidate candidate in Meath East and uh, councillor on Meath County Council. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, still relatively early into uh, the general election campaign, but no doubt uh, this morning's opinion poll will focus minds. Uh, let's uh, talk to Sean Defoe, our political correspondent. Good morning to you, Sean, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, Finnegan must be feeling a, a little bit worried at this stage. Yeah, definitely. After two polls that don't have them exactly in tip-top position uh, and definitely losing seats. They're going to be in a, in a bit of a tricky position. Yesterday's poll from the Irish Times, it's off MRBI, 1,200 people uh, surveyed on Thursday, Friday and Saturday of last week, and it had Fine Gael on 23%, six points down on the last poll that was done by that group, which was in October. Fianna Fáil uh, were level, but they were now the biggest party, 25%, which kind of seems to be the trend that's going on. And then the big surprise, really, was Sinn Féin, which was up 7 to 21%, so within just two points of Fine Gael. And uh, that is on the back of the Sunday Times poll at the weekend, which showed that Sinn Féin were within just a point of Fine Gael. So... Uh, overall, it really shows a clustering up at the top. The three biggest parties are all within 4% of each other, which is a very, very tight race. You know, anything can happen in an election, uh, a lot tighter than a lot of people thought it would be. And after that, there's a big drop off the Green Party on 8%, the Labour Party on 5%, and then no other party or grouping on more than 2%, respectively. So we're, we're starting to see it shape up. It is very, very early days, of course, and everything has to be taken with a pinch of salt, particularly mm. when you're looking at polls this far out of an election. Uh, but an interesting early take on things. Yeah, and there's always a, a margin of error in these polls, uh, but a, a drop of six points for Fine Gael is well beyond that. Oh, well beyond that. The margin of error was 2.8% for this uh, particular poller. That's, that's what they estimated to be. Uh, so very, very much off. And if you take the three main parties at a 2.8% margin of error, they're all within the margin of error of each other. You know, it could be mm. the Sinn Féin are actually two points higher and Fianna Fáil are two points lower. We, we don't actually know, and that's the risk you run. So it just emphasises how close things are. OK. I suppose uh, interest will rise uh, as uh, the campaign goes on, uh, and uh, there'll be a lot of interest in uh, the first of uh, the leaders' debates. Uh, that's to take place tomorrow. That's tomorrow on Virgin Media 1. It's Pat Kenny moderating it, and it is a head-to-head at the moment, at least, between Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin, the two candidates for Taoiseach, being billed a lot of calls, amplified last night after this poll came out for Mary Lou McDonald to be included in it again. She's doing a press event at about 11 o'clock, so we're going to hear from her, see what she has to, to say about it. But 
Uh, either way, it's going to be fascinating. And I think because of the nature of this election, January election, things are dark early. People aren't overly fond of opening their doors at night when it's that dark and cold and miserable as it has been. So I think the debates, radio and television, the, uh, the likes of your programme and on the big mm. TV spectacles, they are really going to set the tone, I think, set the agenda. And they have the uh, the prospect of breaking it wide open. Even if it is just Michael Martin and Leo Varadkar tomorrow, the two of them, their characters, their temperament, their ability as debaters do have the potential to either win election or, or absolutely combust in a moment that could really, really set them back. So it's, it's going to be fascinating either way. All right. One big mistake uh, is uh, possibly the most significant thing, though, that can happen. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it entirely change debates before. We've seen it change the course of elections and get someone in. Last time around, the general thinking was that Enda Kenny had an absolutely disastrous campaign. Everyone remembers that comment in the last week of it where he called people in his hometown of Castlebar winters for complaining about the last five years. It really blew up, up, on, up on him. Uh, Jerry Adams for Sinn Féin in the last election had a real difficulty over the economic figures during the debate that hit his party. They started flying pretty high and they ended up disappointing on actual polling day. So it does. Those moments really do have an impact on the campaign. All right. I suppose uh, the campaign was always uh, going to centre on health, housing and the environment. Uh, But uh, a couple of uh, surprise issues, uh, perhaps uh, crime certainly being one. Uh, But the other issue now, uh, the pension age. Mm. And crime in your own local area and up in Drogheda has been a really significant one as drove the debate really into last week. And then yesterday we saw this debate about the pension and the pension age. So as you will know, it's risen to 66. It's due to rise to 67 before you can get state pension. And there has been quite a lot of disquiet among older people who have had to retire at 65 about the fact that they had to sign on in the meantime for job seekers benefit in order to get any sort of payment before they uh, could qualify for the pension. A number of parties, Sinn Féin and, and Labour most notably, have been calling for it to be reduced back to 65. The government argument has been that... You know, the demographics of the country are changing. There's in 10 and 15, 20 years, it's going to be a lot more retired people than there are working people. So we have to look at how we can sustain the pot of money that actually pays out the state pension. And it blew into a bit of argument yesterday. If the fall essentially saying that they will defer the raising of the age until it can be properly looked at, while Fidegail now promising this transitionary payment that effectively people who have to retire at 65 or 66 won't have to sign on for job seekers, they'll get some other state payment in the meantime. So a, a bit of a, a cop out there to what, uh, to, to the demand by media pensioners in the last while and the government saying that there would be this this other payment there to see them through. It won't come out of the pension pot, it'll mm. come from somewhere else, but still it's coming from taxpayers' money. Yeah, do you understand what they're saying or have they said anything clear that's understandable? Uh, well, there's been a few different things. To be fair to Regina Doherty, she did line out uh, her plan after some confusion in the Fine Gael and government ranks yesterday. And she said, look, this is what we'll do. We'll, we'll be increasing the age in order to make the pot more sustainable, but we will have a transitionary payment. Now, she didn't outline the criteria for who uh, would be eligible for it or what the exact payment is. I think that detail is due to come later in the, that manifesto. So definitely one to watch later in the week. Mm, OK, hopefully they'll have uh, understood it themselves by that stage, uh, I suppose. Uh, and I, I gather that that's the sort of thing that can trip somebody up uh, and it's tripping up that uh, is uh, the one thing that everybody is trying to avoid and to do the opposite and to try and lead to the direction of uh, the campaign. Yeah, they're all trying to set the tone every day. I mean, each of the parties have their launches about their various issues, be it housing, be it health or whatever, that they try to set the agenda. But of course, the agenda does take over events, dear boy events, as the quote goes, that take over these election campaigns. Uh, and 
uh, that's what we've had so far. I think really the, the, the campaign hasn't fully ignited yet. There's still quite a long time to go, 19 days until polling day, and I think maybe when we get some of those debates, it's going to, to properly kick off. Uh, no one made any catastrophic blunders that can't be come back from, uh, but some sign that there, there is the potential there for a banana skin, and of course we'll be watching it the whole way. Okay, and as you say, Mary Lou MacDonald will hold this press conference today ahead of uh, this leaders' debate tomorrow on Virgin Media. Two leaders, that is, Michal Martin and Leo Bradker, and uh, there is uh, talk of a possible legal action against uh, Virgin Media and possibly against RTA because they're planning something similar, aren't they? Yeah, so they both um, have two different debates, one with more of the leaders and then one of the head-to-heads or to use that plan for last week as well. It's one of the first things to be asked about McDonald's is do they tend to go ahead with that legal action? They were a little bit coy on it yesterday and didn't really address it. Uh, but I don't see why they wouldn't. If nothing else, it puts them at the centre of the political storm for the next week. I think there are a lot of people who legitimately, when they see the polls and see mm. that there is only four points difference between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and uh, Sinn Féin, would argue that there does deserve to be three different leaders up there. Now, no doubt what the various broadcasters will argue, and there is some sense to it, is that this has been billed as a debate for the next Taoiseach, and realistically the chances of Mary Lou becoming the next Taoiseach are very small, in part because Sinn Féin simply aren't running enough candidates. They're running 40-something candidates, so the chance of them being the largest party in the next government are quite slim. But she could very well be tarnished if one of the, the parties decided to break their, their current stance and go into a coalition, or if it was some sort of coalition of the left, depending on how the different numbers fell. So I think she does have some right to be aggrieved. And it's going to be an interesting one today, whether Leo Varadkar or Michal Martin even, they're going to be asked, should she be in this debate? Mm. Whether either of them does turn and say, yes, you know what, it should be a three-party, or if they're happy to keep it uh, among the two parties who many people will say have been gov- in government anyway for the last years. Uh, and that really is uh, the point, isn't it? Uh, that whatever about who might be the next Taoiseach, one of uh, the three people that we're talking about, Michal Martin, Leo Radker and Mary Lou MacDonald, one of the three uh, is most likely going to be the next Taoiseach. Yeah, you would have to think so. Um, it, I suppose it does depend on how it falls. We could have a conference by arrangement similar to what we've had before and then you could see um, you know, a Michael McGrath type, a Dara Kaliri for Fianna Fáil, maybe a Tawna Shore, Simon Coveney return for Fianna Fáil, mm. uh, depending on how things run, maybe a Pierce Doherty for Sinn Féin, if the numbers fell a certain way, even though it looks unlikely. So, uh, But there is absolutely that chance there. Now, they have been all ruling out in the last week that they won't do the grand coalition of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, and that Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil won't do business with Sinn Féin. But, I mean, we all know that these things have been said before. Fianna Fáil, of course, very famously insisting they would never do a coalition mm. at all. And then when it required the numbers, they did it. It's happened in the past and political expediency uh, requires it. Some of them will just have to bite their nose and do it. So I think to rule anything out or to believe that everyone is ruling anything out now uh, would be a little bit foolish. All right, Sean. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's uh, return to some of uh, the comments that have been coming uh, to us uh, this morning. A lot of people in touch with us, uh, I think, uh, since uh, the Chief Superintendent, Christy Mangan, spoke on uh, the programme earlier on. And indeed, uh, there's a lot to talk about. What have people been saying, Ray? Well, we had a contact from a listener, didn't want to give a name uh, just out of fear, but feels that uh, listening to your programme, what we urgently need in this country is a new large prison with capacity for, let's say, 10,000 people. When Mm. that is built, the revolving door system for those involved in crime will end. The judges have nowhere to put criminals. 
uh, the Gardaí, in my opinion, are disillusioned with the system. These criminals are laughing at us. And I feel the upcoming election is an opportunity for people to vote for those who will commit to making a new prison their number one priority. Okay, a prison or a graveyard, as uh, the case may be. I read uh, this morning that one of uh, the individuals involved in uh, the feud uh, is uh, the subject of a €100,000 bounty that is on his head. Somebody wants him dead and uh, a lot of people uh, are under threat. Uh, The Star is reporting today that 20 people, as many as 20 people, are uh, at risk of uh, being killed as part of this feud. Uh, Another report suggests uh, that Keane Mulready Woods' killer has uh, been arrested and uh, of course we've been hearing uh, this report this morning about a 2,000 page letter from uh, the GRA to the Garda Commissioner about the concerns it has about uh, the ERU. 21 vacancies Gardaí and Drogheda uh, who ran to the aid of a taxi driver who was innocently shot last Monday uh, couldn't get back up from the ERU and had to wait several hours for help. Uh, It's a force that is not allowed to work overtime, is under resources, down the 21 members and is working with outdated equipment and indeed bulletproof vests uh, that have gone past uh, their best before date. Uh, just give us one more comment yes. uh, before we go to the guards, uh, Marie. Uh, Thomas feels that uh, the sentences being handed out aren't tough enough and says that if judges feel that uh, they can only sentence under the current law and it's not sufficient, well then that law needs to be changed and that should be looked at and people should be putting that to election candidate. You have people, election candidates, you have people with maybe 100 plus convictions and still walking around the street. Why would the Gardaí bother? It must be such a tough job when that's the obstacle you're facing. Okay, well the Gardaí have a, a lot to contend with as we know and time now as is usual around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. Garda Noel Lochran joins us for the report this week. As usual, there's a number of incidents that Garda are investigating and perhaps you can assist with those investigations. And we begin in Navan with a robbery that occurred last Sunday afternoon. Yes, uh, the Garda at Navan station are investigating a robbery from a shop in the town on Sunday afternoon last January 19th. Uh, at around a quarter to four on Sunday last, a man went into Fagan shop in the Blackcastle uh, shopping centre and demanded money. Uh, the railer was wearing a black hoodie and white tracksuit bottoms. His face was covered with a scarf and he was wearing gloves. He was carrying a knife and he demanded cash from the till and he threatened to stab uh, the, the shop assistant if she did not comply. Luckily, no one was injured in this incident, uh, but the railer left the shop on foot in the direction of the lane to the rear of the shopping centre. Uh, anyone who may have seen this man in the Black Castle area on Saturday afternoon last is asked to contact Navan Garda Station. OK, to Kells and uh, burglary that uh, occurred last Thursday evening. Yes, Kells Garda are seeking to identify four persons involved in a burglary at a house in the town on Thursday last October 16th. It happened after 7pm on Thursday evening in the Crossakeel Heights area of the town. Three men were seen in a field at the back of the estate uh, at around that time and another, another was seen waiting in a black Volkswagen golf car. We've no description of these men at the moment but anyone who witnessed any unusual activity or suspicious characters in the Crossakeel Heights, Heights area of the town last Thursday is asked to contact uh, the Gardaí Kell station. OK, and we go to Navan and uh, some car parts that have been stolen. Yes, uh, Navan Gardaí recently received a report of a catalytic converter stolen from a car in the town over the weekend. 
uh, on Friday morning last, a car was damaged in the Boyne View area of Johnstown in Navan. Um, some early year Toyota Prius and Yaris models are being targeted by these thefts uh, due to the value of the metals in the converters of these models of cars. Again, anyone who may have uh, any information in relation to this offence or who may have off- been offered these or similar items for sale is asked to contact uh, the Gardaí at Navin Station. OK, to Dunboyne and uh, a burglary or an attempted burglary to report on. Yes, the Dunboyne Gardaí are looking to identify a man involved in an attempted break-in to the Bank of Ireland in uh, Dunboyne Village over the weekend. It happened at around 2.15 in the early hours of Saturday morning last January 18th. Uh, Gardaí were alerted to a man attempting to break into uh, the bank with a crowbar. Anyone who was in the area after 2am on Saturday morning last and may be in a position to assist local Gardaí with their inquiries is asked to contact the Gardaí at Dunboyne Station. All right, and we go to Loud Village next and uh, a forced entry and a burglary that uh, occurred there. Yes, Gardaí RD Station are investigating a burglary which happened in Loud Village yesterday evening, January 20th. It happened in the Mona Vallat Estate uh, in the village sometime after 6pm yesterday evening. Uh, a back door was forced open and entry was gained to the house. Again, anyone who saw anything out of the ordinary in Loud Village around 6 o'clock yesterday evening uh, is asked to contact the Gardaí at RD Station. OK, and we'll conclude uh, this week uh, with uh, a story Uh, or a story that is part of a a story that uh, is never far away from media coverage uh, and indeed uh, the focus of people locally for that matter. Uh, This is obviously to do with the feud, uh, but specifically to do with uh, the shooting that took place on uh, the Bridge of Peace uh, over a week ago and investigations continue into that shooting. Yes, Gardaí and Drahada are continuing our, our investigations into the shooting at the Bridge of Peace, uh, which occurred on Monday last, January 13th. The investigation team are interested in the movements of a black, English or northern registered uh, Volkswagen Golf, which was later found, uh, found burnt out at Lower Fahard in Dundalk. Again, anyone who may have seen this vehicle in the Drogheda area at around 6pm last Monday or heading northwards after that time and can assist Gardaí in any way with their inquiries into this crime can contact the incident room at Drogheda Garda Station on 041-987-4200. And for this or any other crime mentioned today, Gardaí can also be contacted on our confidential line, which is 1800 treble six treble one thank you indeed garda noel lochran of drahada garda station will return to the garda crime desk in around the same time on next tuesday's program now before we leave you today let's uh, go back uh, to some more of those calls that you have there marie pat in at boy says i'm a floating voter michael i think fianna fall and finnegale would want to get over themselves mm-hmm. they are good there are good thinkers in all parties if the three big parties got together, there would be good thinkers working for the country instead of sniping at each other all the time. For Furthermore, by keeping Sinn Féin out, he says, I don't know, Michael, if you watch Dancing with the Stars, but the priest got very little from the judges. Yet he was the first one picked. So people don't like to see others being downtrodden. So they should wake up and smell the roses because this is what could happen if they try to keep Sinn Féin out of the debates. OK, he lost me there, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I can guess where he's floating. Um, I think he's floating in a Sinn Féin direction. I think he's that sort of a floating voter, yeah. <laughs> on the situation mm. in Drogheda, he says, if I was in mm. command, I would get the army along with the Gardaí and do rolling checkpoints all over Drogheda so that those criminals couldn't breathe. Okay. I'd put huge pressure on them.
Okay, well, a, a lot of people are saying that. Obviously, the guards can only do uh, what uh, the law permits them to do and can uh, police uh, in line with the legislation uh, and they are asking for everybody's help and assistance. And the Gardaí say that they want to stand with uh, the people of uh, Drogheda. We've heard from the Chief uh, Superintendent, Christy Mangan, who asked the people of Drogheda to stand with on Garda Shia Khanna and to do that by coming together and standing together in solidarity uh, at uh, the Bridge of Peace at half one uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, people will meet there and then walk to St. Peter's Church on West Street uh, for a demonstration against the violence and the lawlessness. Tommy from Dundalk listening in and says, do you not think, Michael, it's time to bring in the death penalty? No. That the country no. has gone over no. the top with no. the amount of crime? No, absolutely not. Okay. I take that as a a comment and as a point rather than a question but if it was a question absolutely not in my view but uh, we leave it on that note and thank you for that and thank you to everybody who has been in touch uh, and that has to be the final word on the programme today if you'd like to listen back there'll be a podcast on lmfm.ie this afternoon thanks to Marie Kearns for producing Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Murray in the control tower I'm Michael Godwilling we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM good morning bye bye The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.